You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. Welcome back to another episode of NFT 365. And you know, one of the beauties of the NFT space is it allows you know us to not only you know connect with people around the world, but also you know you know really open our mind to different possibilities of ways that we can get into the NFT space, the ways that we can leverage this NFT space, and really the ways that we can you know bring together even passions and hobbies or things in in our background. Um, into our lives. And part of the beauty of that, if you listen to actually yesterday's podcast episode, uh, I talked about, you know, the one platform that I believe uh, everyone that's part of NFTs uh, should be on. And it's not Twitter and not Discord. Well, I kind of, I kind of, you know, I was a little bit of a lie there. It's actually Twitter Spaces because I actually think Twitter Spaces uh, is a heck of a lot of fun. And I'm excited to bring in my next guest, Laura. Thanks so much for jumping in. I know you do a lot of Twitter Spaces. I know you're in beautiful Miami at the moment. So if you could uh, introduce yourself to the audience, tell them a little bit about you and we'll jump into the interview. So my name is Laura Rod. Um, You might know me as a Miami ape if you follow me on Twitter. I was born in Colombia, grew up here in Miami, and I am a mental health specialist, which got jumped into the NFT world, which has led me into being a host at several um, interviews, several conversations, and really building a community. I have been hosting a lot of Twitter spaces in English and in Spanish, trying to like bridge that gap for the Spanish speakers and really for for this to continue to be the global economy that it really is, um, I'm the founder of my own Web3 company right now. We do advising. We have been working on the brand development and also, you know, making sure that anyone coming into the Web3 world understands what is this about community. And that um, leads us into this conversation about, you know, why is it so important about Twitter spaces and why are we connected in that platform um, I'm working with the Open DAO. It's the biggest DAO on Web three, and hopefully, you get to know me a little bit more through through this conversation today. Yeah, no, I, I love that part, and I, I, you know, it's interesting. You know, actually, multiple of our guests have had uh, a mental health background uh, and being a specialist in that space, and I think it's a little bit because I, I relate so easily to that space. Uh, not only you know we have the ADHD coin, but you know it's something that I'm a big advocate and ally. But I'm doing it more from the standpoint of uh, you know where I, I show up myself individually. I'm curious, you know, talk to us a little bit about how did you first kind of get into NFTs as a whole? How did that kind of segue go from kind of what you were doing, you know, Web 2 to what, you know, uh, you kind of found, uh, you know, kind of a love for in Web 3? So I would say that I started um, with the NFT world thinking of this as an investor side, right? I think that um, at the very beginning, it was me falling in love with crypto and being just like I always call myself, I'm like a baby investor and learning the possibilities and, and the options that we have through crypto. And my boyfriend got me into NFTs. And at the beginning, I'm like, no, it's OK. Like, I'm not a gamer. There's no room for me in this space. And very quickly, I found out 
um, the misconceptions. And, and this is why I'm such a big advocate at this point is because there is room for everyone. And for me, my room was in finding the things that I do like, which is, you know, community It's the socialization aspect of it, the, the being able to give back and, and provide, you know, this knowledge and onboard more people. And so far within my journey, I've been able to help more nonprofit organizations that I have worked for or with throughout my life through the last like 15 years. And I've been able to create a bigger impact. And you might ask yourself, like, how are you creating a bigger impact? Just by introducing them into crypto, just by introducing them into a different way of receiving donations, um, by doing collections with our friends in the space saying, hey, Laura, I know that you're really into this. How can we help? Um, so it, it was like a combination of passions. Um, I've also worked a lot in event planning and doing live shows. So finding musicians in the space and giving them a platform for them to have a voice and say, hey, you know what? Like, I don't want to sit back and wait for a record deal um, when I have fans and, and my fans might be able to support my journey. So little by little, I realized that, hey, even though I'm not a gamer, I'm not a software engineer, I might not be in the finance world, like, you know, neck deep there is still room for me and and finding that voice through Twitter spaces made me realize that what I was bringing to the table was was great. And, and, and it resonated with a lot of people, which when I first started, it sounded like there's no way this is not for you. Like, come on, like just just go be a social worker in your traditional form or do your life events. But um, society always tells us kind of like stay in your lane and I've always been like no I'm not gonna stay in my lane like there, there's so many lanes and life is so fun like it's so much more fun to explore them all so I mean, this who, is what we're providing I like to say whoever came up with the idea like, you know, riches are in the niches was someone that had a niche and they wanted to control everybody just to follow in what they did because that's what worked. And I believe those that can operate a niche, you know, more power to you. I, I'm fully supportive, <laughs> but I'm with you. Multi-hyphenated. I want to be doing, you know, lots of things, tapping into, you know, lots of our background. I love that you kind of you know, brought that into the, you know, your view of the space. And we'll talk a little bit about Twitter spaces in a second, but I'm curious did you have like a project or an experience that gave you that like that aha that like, oh, wow, this is more than just crypto pictures and it's more than just for gamers? Because I was very much like you. I was like, it's cool, but it's not really speaking to me. I wasn't a gamer. I wasn't in the finance space. But like, what was your like aha moment that you had coming into the space? At the very beginning, it was um, through making the decision to buy a board ape and, and seeing how they had this innovative idea where we were going to be the brand and then we were going to develop that brand. Um, and as I mentioned before, my boyfriend was the one that got me into the space and, and he, he's a very successful businessman. He does e-commerce and he's the one in charge of the branding of the company. And he's like, you have no idea how powerful this is. And to me, like I, like I said, I was like, I always like to like stay curious and really explore different avenues. The aha moment was, you know what? This is a brand that's basically telling everyone, hey, you know what? You're the owner. Let's go ahead and build this together and let's benefit from it, which sounds very um, optimistic or too much like, oh, whack me. Right. Um, so at the beginning, there's a sense of skepticism and and are they really going to be able to deliver this? And little by little, you start seeing how everyone kind of started developing. Not everyone. A lot of people started kind of developing a brand around their board ape. And you saw the board ape 
founders really giving back by saying, hey, you know what? We're going to give you a mutant, right? Or we're going to give you um, a dog and then we're going to give you ApeCoin. And, and we're kind of thanking you for holding and believing in the project that we're building. Yeah, you're having, I don't know, music videos popping up with board apes. Then you have uh, a board ape restaurant that I got to visit when I went to LA. So it's, I, I think in that sense, that was my first aha moment where there is power in the masses. And if you do something different and something innovative, you might move people to, to work together at, you know, in this new world. And, and what I see moving forward was the opportunity of other people creating something different. And I think that's where sometimes we get stuck, but as soon as someone pops up with something cool and new, then, then it's, I don't know, hopeful again. I love that. And I, and I have to, you know, we had um, actually one of our first interviews on the podcast uh, was Franklin, uh, who owns 46 board apes or so now. Uh, and it, it was great, like just hearing his point of view. But we also brought up, you know, this was after NFT NYC. And I was there at NFT uh, NYC. I don't uh, own a board ape myself, but uh, many, many of the people in our community were there. And, you know, there was a lot of conversation around, you know, female representation in board apes, minority representation in board apes. What was your initial kind of like feeling as you joined that community? Because I know a lot of people in our community didn't have that luxury where they'd love to know how, how was it from like your point of view from someone that was kind of in there with board apes kind of early on? So at the very beginning, it's funny that you bring up Franklin because when I started in this, in this journey and I started being more active in the Twitter spaces, Franklin was one of my first friends and he's like, Oh, we should do like a post of like ape follow ape and get you more followers on Twitter. And I was like, huh? For what? <laughs> like, thank you. Like, that's really sweet. And that's really nice, right? That you want to welcome me into, into the club by getting me to. But I don't need more followers. Like, what are followers for? Um, so, so to me, my mentality of someone very traditional when it comes to, I didn't care about followers. All my social medias were private. Um, if you would have asked me a year ago, hey, is this what you are going to be doing in a year my answer never in a million years would have been this which which i like and i'm happy about um but so my welcome into the space was was um more positive per se um i think that that by having that introduction i was like sure okay let's do like an a follow up and he said you have a thousand followers by tomorrow i'm like Woo-hoo, thank you <laughs> like should i be happy about this like and and little by little i realized that when you have followers what you're really building is a community and you're making friendships. And, and if you have an audience um, of people that are interested in a topic that, that you care about and that could make an impact, then all of a sudden those numbers matter and they matter because it's not a bot. It's not, you know, follow me and I'll give you a thousand dollars for free every day. Of course, I'm going to have a bunch of random people, but yet little by little you have built these relationships and, and you feel like, now they're your friends, right? And then sometimes like, I don't even know what my friend looks like. And I just know their PFP and I know what their ape look like, or I know what whatever NFT they have. Um, and and that was that was really exciting. But back to the question, sorry that like I rambled on. Um, I think that it was very hard to see at the very beginning, no, not many women speaking up, right? Like I would join Twitter spaces and I would see like a room full of like 10 guys. And I'm like, like someone go talk. And then th- that's when I realized that like, I can't wait for other people to come and be that change or be that representation. Like if it bothers you, I get it. Right. I, it, it used to never bother me because I wasn't in, in an area of expertise that like 
there's a lot of women in social work. There's a lot of women right. in my classes. There used to be a lot of women. Um, so when I saw that difference, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll go talk, you know? And then I would listen to conversations. I'm like, they don't know more than me. You know, I'm here like sitting back thinking like, oh, wait, so-and-so has like the smartest thing to say. And I'm like, wait, but I could participate in the conversation. I might not be the smartest one in the room every time, but that doesn't mean that your input is not important. So um, little by little, we see that change. And now I think we have a lot more women representing. And I think it's more comfortable when you get into a room and you're like, okay, you know, we all look different, right? We all sound different. However, it's important what you bring to the table. And and with that message, that, that inspired me to continue. I love that. And you know, we had bored Becky on the podcast as well. And she talked of a very similar, you know, experience with, uh, you know, her, uh, entry point into, you know, board apes. And I, you know, I think, you know, it's such an interesting part. We have a, I have a phrase that I coined that says, raise your damn hand. And then you pretty much embodied it, right? It's the idea of like, who are we waiting for? Like, no one's going to give us permission. And if, if someone's waiting for permission, like we're giving it to you right now. Like this is your, your permission to raise your, your hand. And, and I love that you kind of took that on, right? And there is something that when you have that like moment when you're like, wait, we're all learning this together and all we're sharing is our unique perspective. Like that's, I don't need to be an expert. I don't have to know everything. Cause let's face it. We, you know, this space changes so much. I, I'm curious, you know, you mentioned, you know, new to, you know, private social, uh, newer, kind of like the Twitter side of the house. When you look back at like how you're able to show up there, not only, you know, make connections, you know, I, I can imagine that was never a problem, you know, in offline world. You're in, you're in the hotbed of, of a crypto, you know, and NFTs in Miami right now. Uh, in the first place, I got to, you know, be there at uh, Miami NFT week and got to experience how amazing that was. I'm curious, like, what would you say, like, if you were talking to other women in the in the space that were like skill sets that you could tap into from your you know kind of prior life that really allow you to excel here? Because I think a, a lot of people are assuming you have to be an expert in all these other places, but we're all figuring that out. So, what would you consider like be? What would you lean on and say? Because I had experience doing this, it helped me to kind of really find my footing here in the NFT space. I I really do think that is it's more about getting to know what you're good at and what you enjoy doing more than what kind of experience or private experience do you need to have in order to be successful in the space. I, I really do believe that whatever sets of skills you currently have, it's more about having the time and the disposition because this is not going to be something that you're going to fully understand from sitting um, two hours and trying to get NFTs, right? Like I have people that tell me, hey, Laura, like I want to understand. And it's like, okay, but like this is not going to take you two hours and all of a sudden it's going to click. Like what might click for me might not click for you. So I think having more of the disposition of wanting to learn, of being patient, that like, hey, you know what? You're not going to learn everything at once. And little by little, finding that area where you're like, you know what? Okay, this clicks for me. And this is what I'm good at, right? And identifying that. So in my case, speaking with people, right? I'm really curious about cultures. Like I love traveling. Why do I love traveling? And I always question this. It's not for me to like, become an influencer and like, oh, look at my lab culture. It really was about the, the me and what am I doing in a Twitter space? I get to speak with someone that lives in Australia. And then two minutes after he's like, oh, I'm in Nigeria. And then everyone in Latin America. And then some people that are like, oh, I don't speak English yet. I could translate. And now it's a big deal. You know, and now it's important that I get to translate um, from an artist that might not have the language, but their art is freaking amazing. And they just, so what I'm getting at is, it's really finding what moves you and what's going to drive you besides the financial possibility of, of making money, right? If you're an, it could lead to financial freedom, but 
the connections might lead to that, right? And the genuine relationship. And it might not mean for you to have to make a sale every single day to be successful in this space. So for someone that's brand new, that is like, I have no idea, and you're curious, just learn. Learn the technology, learn what it's for, how can we use it? And then through that, you might have a spark and an idea that's yet to to be created. I think that that there's a lot of solutions um, and and work to be done in the space that maybe you come up with it and, and you just think, oh, I'm so late, right? And right. it's like, it, no, you're in the perfect time, just do it. No, I love that. And I and I think that's such powerful advice, you know, not only, you know, kind of finding what you're good at, right? I think it's, you know, how do we help others? We first have to really understand, you know, ourselves and what we can bring to the table, but also when we bring things to the table, kind of see where, you know, that kind of evolves or, you know, fits in the space. You know, I, I'm curious, I know a lot of people when they hear someone has a bored ape, uh, especially if they got in early, they, they, there's like the must be nice to have a bored ape conversation. I always say the the flip of it is like, how the hell did you not sell the board ape as the prices were going up? So I'm curious, just like how have you looked at it as a whole? Because, you know, for those that don't recognize, yes, there's been the mutants and the dogs and the other side and ape coin. But, you know, if you're not one that's actually taking any of those and flipping them out, you're not technically making money at the moment on that, that asset that you have. Have you had any of those moments where you were thinking about selling or how, do, how have you approached that as an ape holder for so long? Um, honestly, it's tough. I think that making the decision to buy the board ape um, with my partner, with my boyfriend, has helped us because when he wanted to sell, I'm like, no. <laughs> and when <laughs> I'm like, absolutely not. And whenever I'm like, oh my god, this is a lot. Like, we should really sell this. Like, f this. Like, I'm sorry. Like, we should. Just... And then he's like, really? Like, are, are you really thinking about this? Um, and then kind of having the community behind it, saying, like I said before, like, thank you for holding. I think that was like always a reassurance of we're building something so much bigger that it's not worth it yet. It might be worth it at some point. And I'm never one to say, oh, I would never sell it. This is my forever ape. Um, however, I don't know if someone were to say like, hey, here's a million dollars. I might have to be like, I'm sorry. I love you. And, <laughs> you know, it will be part of our history forever. Um, but there might be an offer that I can't resist. However, I do get people like, messaging me saying like oh i identify with, with your ape can you sell it to me i'm like panic okay no <laughs> so um i think doing it in conjunction and really building a brand around it um has kept us from from doing this and and having that um that confirmation from the community i think that you know that this is this is worth it yeah, so. and I think that's you know like the IP and the idea that you're building the brand around it. I think is such a a powerful dynamic that a lot of people kind of forget about, right? The idea that you do own the intellectual property, and we you know we heard in the news with Seth Green who building you know was creating an entire sitcom around his board ape and his board ape being stolen. They had to pause you know the sitcom, and you know it's an unfortunate aspect of the space. But to me, unfortunately, the media took the story and was like, oh, you know, another f- picture gets stolen in the crypto space. I looked at it and was like, how amazing is it that you're able to take some multiple NFTs like Seth Green had done and turn it into a sitcom and create content around this intellectual property that he owned. And so I love that you kind of tap that in. I also love kind of having that counter person to help you. Like I, now that I'm thinking about that, it's like, that would have helped me a couple of times. I've, I like, I mean, I like, I joke a lot. Like I flipped out of alien friends 
I, and like was celebrating this like 0.5 ETH win that I had at like 0.6, 0.6. And, uh, and then every time it was like one ETH, two ETH, three ETH, by the time it was going up, I was like, yeah, uh, I needed somebody to check me on that. And it was, a, I think it was like the 67th, uh, you know, uh, most rare there in that collection as well, um, which, you know, it's, it's, part of the, it's part of that journey. I, I'm curious, you know, uh, Twitter spaces and offline events, right? Um, Miami NFT week was what was a, a powerful event next week or next month we have NFT, um, NYC, you know, I'm a huge advocate and believer that not only do we have to make a table for everyone, but we have to, you know, hopefully give up the microphone. We have to make space for those that, um, you know, maybe have not had voices in the past. I'm curious, you know, from a Twitter space perspective, I, you know, this is a perfect setup because last episode literally was an entire episode of what I believe the intimacy and, and power of social audio and, and what Twitter spaces uh, kind of, you know, breathe into this world. But I will also know that a lot of times it's hard to get an, a word in edgewise. Even someone like me that loves to talk, I will often wait my turn. And that's not always like the cadence inside of Twitter spaces. How, do, how have you looked at it to like find your voice and even like a, a balance between hosting a space versus like joining someone else's space? How, would, how do you approach that in kind of your day-to-day journey on Twitter spaces? Um, I think I really do enjoy hosting. Um, and unless you have hosted Twitter spaces, you you wouldn't know how like draining it could be right and how um to kind of like direct the orchestra and and to see okay how do i let everyone participate and if i have people waiting in line to come in and share their opinion how do i tell whoever is on stage that we have to rotate because if you're not familiar with twitter spaces you could only have up to 10 people um and i believe like two co-hosts so it's tough. And especially when, like I said, I'm like, if you're building this community of a lot of people and a lot of familiar faces, then you're, you almost feel like guilty. Like, Oh my God, I have so-and-so waiting, right. Their turn. Yet this other person that I don't know came first. I want to give them a voice too. So I think it's a lot. Um, what, how I have found myself to, to communicate that is, is through transparency at the end of the day, I'm being honest and kind of saying, Hey, I know there are some of you that are waiting and I wish I could bring everyone up at once. If you guys please like want to rotate the space, like I would really appreciate it. So someone else could speak. And I try to be as unbiased as I can and bring up, you know, random people that requested first. Um, sometimes I wonder, I'm like, is this really in order? What Twitter is showing me? So no. I, it's probably not, right? It's probably not. So, it's not. So I try to like keep up of like who requested first and how do I do this in order not to to become like an echo chamber of, you know, your same friends and the same people that you feel safe and comfortable with, which is fine, right? But not if you're trying to make um, a very inclusive space and, and a space where I get to meet others you know, and I get to like really engage with other people. And this is where I also try to balance it out as like, it can't just be me hosting my spaces and expecting you to join every time. Right. Right. And, and I see that dynamic in some people and that's fine. Like more power to you. But deep down, I'm like, I, I don't like that. Like, who am I to tell you, oh, join my spaces all day, every day because I'm hosting and I want the audience yet. I never see you, you know, right. joining others and not mine necessarily. So I try to to join. I think daily I join um, a bunch of others. Um, not all the time I have to be a speaker specifically because, like I said, I was like, I don't want that to become the, the narrative. Right. Like, oh, every time that you're listening to a space, you need to have the center of attention. 
Right. And it doesn't have to be that way. Sometimes like I'm working and I have it there and I'm listening and I'm glad to be part of the conversation, but I won't jump in to speak. And if I have the time and the topic like gets my attention, I'm like, heck yeah, like I want to participate. So um, I think there is like um, a beautiful balance to have uh, where everyone that you have met that are putting in their time to host. It's nice that like, hey, you know what? You came to listen and other times, hey, you came to participate. Um, and and that's where, where this... I, I try my best to to keep it up. Well, I mean, I think I love your that you said the transparency, right? Because that's what I preach as well. And like I I I did a lot on Clubhouse early on, and there's some things in Clubhouse that we loved that Twitter Spaces could really use. There's things in Twitter Spaces that I love that you know. And actually, last night we host a Twitter Space every Tuesday night at uh, 8 p.m. And I was calling out Twitter uh, and saying that you know one of the features I wanted was to be able to join audio via a desktop or an iPad. Um, one of the other features that I would absolutely love is give us more people on the stage. Like it's it's absolutely ridiculous. And the funny thing is, I was like Twitter is as a past client of mine. Uh, and shout out to Bev. Um, she messaged me this morning and she's like, someone tagged me or sent me your Twitter space. Uh, and, and I've done some work. And she was like, Brian, you have a very valid point. Like we, you know, and they've been great at innovating, but there are some really unique nuances. But I, I love that you mentioned kind of like hosting it. You know, it is, I mean, you're a traffic cop as well as kind of like you're, you're, you have to organize and kind of set the tone of the culture. And, and by you being transparent, letting people know like, Hey, I know there's some new people on stage. We're going to this person next. It kind of level sets for everyone, even those in the audience to recognize, okay, this isn't just a, you know, a good old boys club or just the two or three people talking, um, which I think is a, is a beautiful recipe. And then the other part, I think that you mentioned that I think is so underestimated. And I think it's, I believe it's NFTs and Twitter spaces is that you just have to show up. I mean, the way you learn NFTs is jumping into a lot of projects. The way that you learn Twitter spaces is being there. And, you know, I'm like you, like, I will say like, when I see a bunch of hands raised, those that I know I see in other Twitter spaces, listening and active in spaces, I will pull them up first every single time because it's like, hey, you're giving, like you're, you're supporting and, and kind of coming along on this journey. I'm curious, you know, as you mentioned, you, know, you do some in Spanish as well. How is that community, you know, the, the Spanish speaking community, especially Spanish speaking as their first language, how are they looking at NFTs and representation in the space? Because I, I struggle with speaking just English, so I stick to, you know, just English and some NFT uh, jargon. But I, I love to hear like how that transition is going and maybe what type of NFTs seem to resonate with the different audiences that you're bringing the information to? Um, I, I think it's resonating tremendously and especially from a financial freedom perspective, right? I think from, from giving the hopes back to the artists and saying there is opportunity and, and, and I could live of my art in Spanish. There's a saying um, that they're like, Oh, you can't live of art or, or something like that. And and now little by little, it's like, Oh, let me show you how I'm living of my art. Let me show you how my art is worthy and, and how, you know, web three is really opening up a, a real opportunity for financial freedom and, and also to build friendships and to, to, to really um, have, full teams of people innovating in the space that happen to be Latino or, you know, Spanish speakers. And, and to me, that's, that's hopeful. Like, I think that by hosting this, these conversations, I've gotten to meet so many people. Like one of the, one of the teams that I admire the most is like the Cuban community. 
because I can't imagine what it's like. And then for them to be one of the strongest ones in the space and one of the ones that came on early on with the help of a lot of people. And and for them to like get together right now in Cuba, and they, they just had like a really big party um, for one of the NFTs they're called Crypto Cubans. And I'm like, this is amazing. You know, like we're, we're talking about like, what? I'm like, you live in Cuba? Like the first time that I would hear them in like Twitter space, they're like, yeah, we do. I'm like, what? And your art is selling and I could share your art and someone could buy it from you. And little by little and to see how they supported one another from like how do you get ethereum so like the first person that did the sale they will like help out a new artist in order to pay their gas fee for them to be able to upload their art and then from that it just kind of like trickled down so we go back to like the social aspect and, and the empowerment and then you need there's so many people in crypto in like argentina and then you i, I have this like amazing group of developers that they're over like 32 in the company and they're coming into the Web3 space and they're utilizing these platforms and they're creating, you know. So it, it's just, it's it's really eye-opening into saying there shouldn't be this dynamic where like there's a language barrier that stops us from achieving this um, when it's just, it's just a matter of having the conversation in a different language. I happen to speak Spanish, but if I spoke like French, then I'll host in, in French as well. And and that's kind of the message that I like to um, to give others. It's, it's not... Um, segregating ourselves, right? It's more bringing the community together. So by hosting in English and in Spanish, what I'm trying to do is, it's not just saying, oh, I want to help out Latinos and bring, you know, that Latino representation to the space, but it's, this is the representation that I get to bring. But yesterday I was hosting a space with, um, with someone from Vietnam, like, and then last week I hosted someone that from, you know, their background is Latino, but she's third generation American with someone from Nigeria that lives in Nigeria that he's like, oh, my God, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to go to the States. So this is the type of like excitement and, and opportunity, you know, at the end of the day, this might not be for everyone, but how wonderful to be working in a space that might at least open the door for everyone. And and if we could all translate that message, it's like, I'm, I'm in. I love that. I love that. You know, I've I've had the you know amazing opportunity. I've traveled to seventy six countries in my in my career, and uh, I'm very like proud of that. Is it's like it's the thing that's probably shaped me uh, the most. And, and actually, uh, the Middle East region. I've been to every country in the Middle East, and that's my my current favorite region of the world. And and for me, like that that idea of that global connection. Like I even, I, I, I laugh. I have to keep moving my, the Twitter spaces times that we have because half of my community is like, I'm like, Hey, we're getting, you know, I'm, I'm saying GM and they're saying GN. And I'm like, Oh, I forgot that, you know, you know, and it's a little bit of, you know, spoiled Americans sometimes forgetting that, you know, Australia or New Zealand's on, on a flip time zone or, or Singapore. And I think that is a beautiful, you know, aspect of us being, you know, kind of being able to clued in to amazing musicians and artists. We have uh, an artist, uh, artist, a musician that actually she's very active in uh, on Twitter Spaces. Uh, and she's in Germany and she does amazing. Like yes. Oh, she's she's amazing. Right. I mean, I, we, and we minted her for our, our collection. She just recently uh, sold out. So, I, you know, shout out to her selling out uh, as well. And she's one that kept showing up and and just being a, uh, you know, a, a shining light in this community. And, and you even mentioned like Franklin, right? And I think it's good just to for everyone that recognize that it doesn't matter how many board apes you have. And it doesn't matter how long you've been in the space. 
there are some bad apples. We can't we can't deny that. There are also some people that are in it for themselves. But the amount of people, no matter where they are in their journey, that are willing to like open up their door and and I I mean I had two people in the last twenty four hours message me via Twitter and say, is it okay if I do take your videos and translate them from my native speaking country? And I was like, is it okay? I was like, what can I do to help? Like I will give you like all yeah. of the resources. What do you need? Yeah, exactly. And I was like, and I talk fast. So I know that like anyone that's trying to even keep up, like, I mean, the poor translations on any of these apps, they don't, they have no, uh, you know, no chance with me. But I mean, I love that you kind of tapped into those pieces. And then you mentioned earlier, you know, you have your own Web3 company. How did that come to life? Because, you know, for many of us, we didn't see ourselves here a year ago. Now, the fact that we're building companies and teams is kind of a wild ride. Talk to us a little bit about uh, your Web3 company that you've built. So, so right now, um, the, the journey that I was in is that you, I can't do this alone, right? Like there is so much opportunity and, and I never wanted, and I never won like the easy way out. Right. I think that, that for a lot of people in this space, once you have a little bit of traction, the easy way out for me, it's like, Oh, why don't you just drop an NFT project? And I'm like, wait, but what am I innovating? What am I doing different? And and if I do it and when I do it, I want to make sure that it's something that I could stand behind it and I could be absolutely proud, not just because I could monetize the space um, in that sense. So my my decision was more geared towards, hey, I'm doing this as a team with my partner. I'm doing this as a team with other people in the community. What a better way than to have that foundation first um, and this is where we're working on the branding. This is where we're working on, you know, continuing, you know, doing partnerships um, by doing interviews, by educating, by onboarding. Um, I've been very blessed to being at some of the best conference so far. Like I did Miami NFT and I was a speaker. Yep. Um, one of the topics was at the Latin, like building community in Latin America. Now I'm going to did a, You did a great job, by the way. I was in the audience Thank there you. and I, I didn't see very many panels. We were in and out and I, I got to sit down and I and you did an amazing job. So I want to give you your flowers. That was great. Thank you. Thank you for that. And and then um, we got to to go to L.A. for another one. And now we're going to do, you know, um, New York City NFT. And and through all of this, you know, conceptualizing it into the business that, that it is and being able to advise and, and consult and, and really kind of pick out the projects that we could really see a future in the space that might just need a little guidance from someone that like lives and breathes NFTs. And this is what the team is doing right now. So um, I'm very proud of that and I'm very happy. And and I think that that the opportunity is to continue to stay open to to whatever comes next, right? Like whatever that looks like and, and believe that, that the space, even though we might have like a few bad apples, I always think of like, the real relationships that I have built, like you, you can't take that away. And it sounds so cliche, but it's the reality. Like we, we are building real friendships and during this live events, we just get to like, kind of like secure that deal and say, you know what? It, it's the same person, you know, like yep. now when you say, Oh, we have this great musician from Germany. I'm like, Violeta, you know, like that doesn't happen overnight. Like right. that doesn't. And, and, and it's people that deserve it, that deserve their, their place like she deserves that sellout right That's she so deserves to so so i don't know to me like those small wins of other people that you have built relationships that you have no other way of meeting them like that gives me hope in myself too. I, I, I i'm with you on that and i and i'll say i think the relationship piece of being cliche 
made sense pre-pandemic. But I feel like the pandemic should have woken us all up to this idea of how important people around us are. And we no one wants to to be alone and finding our people and our people show up in all different walks of life and and different backgrounds and different areas. And and like I mean I look at serendipity of of NFTs being unlike anything I've ever experienced where we are able to bring our worlds together. And you know I'm excited to to hang out with you in, in New York City uh, as well at NFT NYC that we'll be uh, hanging out uh, next month. And, and I also love that, you know, I, I firmly believe, you know, our mantra of the podcast was built on just the simple concept. We are greater than me. And I, and I believe for a while, NFT projects were just the get the me out, get a couple of the right people in, they would sell out. But we've, we've kind of, you know, flushed through a lot of that. And we've seen a lot of those projects, you know, disappear. And I do believe projects like the, the mindset that your approach that you're taking, like just dropping an NFT because I can and because I believe I can make something in the short term does not do anything for you or really uh, the community as a whole. And so I, I mean, I, I think the more of us that we, we kind of gang together and we recognize that like we're, I mean, I, I, in August, I was like, you know what? I'm going to plan an NFT project. And come November, we decided, do I launch a daily podcast or an NFT project? And we chose the, the daily podcast. And for me, it was like, at the six-month mark, let's check back in. Because I I feel like I've earned the trust of the community by showing up every day for six months, right? Like, and, and I think that's the, the testament. Like, you know, even, even little things. Like, I could mention a musician from Germany. And you mentioned Violetta. It's because we put in the time, we've listened, we've cared about the community, and it's really not like, what is Violetta giving to us while she's sharing her beautiful gift? But it's also this idea of like, how amazing is it? Like, how many musicians are undiscovered right now? How many artists are ridiculously talented in our, probably in our neighborhoods that have never just given the opportunity? And I believe, you know, those of us that are able to build some of these foundations are going to be able to lift, you know, a lot of them up. And I think it's just going to be amazing. I mean, I don't think we could ever have too much music or too much art or, you know, too many, you know, kind of positive opportunities, uh, you know, for us to experience some great things. Uh, you know, before I, I kind of let you go, I know you're in beautiful Miami. And for those listening, you might hear like the beautiful sounds in the background. I mean, Sorry. so I love it. I love it. I feel like I'm sitting on your on your back uh, patio there uh, in Miami. I, I'm, you know, you've been to some of the, the the NFT events, right? And and there's, you know, sometimes there's a uh, you know a reputation of like, oh, it's all men, or um, you know, what's going on in this process? And I like to say like, whoever's taking these pictures are just really bad at taking a lot of pictures because a lot of the events I've been at, I've not been in rooms where it's all men. Yet I see these pictures that go viral on Twitter. I'm like. Who took that photo from like that one angle that, but I do know that there, there needs to be more representation for someone that's like going to NFT NYC, maybe for the first time or thinking about going, but unsure, what would be something that you would say for them to, to think about or realize or something that you've experienced that might help them kind of push them over to edge to get value there in New York? Um, I think that, that, yeah, that sadly, I mean, when you go to some, when I go to some of these events at the very beginning, it was all guys, like a lot of them, right? Um, and little by little, what happens is that, like I said before, the same thing as like in Twitter spaces, if you want to change the narrative, then you need to show up, right? And if you show up and there's only like three girls at the beginning and like three women like representing, then stick together. You know what? Like then next time, maybe invite another friend and then now we're a little bit more. But I, I always think that like whatever we don't like, we need to take that step because like you said, I'm like, we're not going to wait for someone to come. I'm like, Hey, please come. You know, we need more 
who's gonna show up? Like we all continue with the narrative, but like, oh, every time I go to an NFT event, it's only guys. Then, then we need to be more conscious. And and the reality is that a lot of the male in the space, they're male allies, which they want to be that, you know, they want to make that change. And it's tough because they're like, where do I, how do I do it? You know, like, how do I have more representations? And I think that these are very conscious decisions that given if there is, I don't know, whatever, 10, 10 guys, and because of the lack of representation, there's only two ladies, it might be so much easier for you to host mostly men in in the podcast, right? And you might have to go out of your way because the first people you think, oh shoot, I just thought about seven people and six of them are men. Right. Just because of the nature of the space. So I think it, it, it goes back with every person. Like, hey, let's check on ourselves and let's find out like, are there more women in the space that I'm not including for this event, right? If I'm putting this event together, who am I reaching out? Sure, it might be easier to think of five guys that sing instead of like the, I don't know, the one girl that sings. But but let's try let's try our best like with the ability that we have. So for this live events at the very beginning it was intimidating, um, and little by little I realized that there are more women in the space and that they might just need a little push. So I'm the one like texting them. I'm like, hey, are you going to this event? Like I'm going. Can we go? Ah, it might be only guys. Oh well, it'll be more guys and us. And it is what it is, you know. And and maybe next time we'll get someone else. You know, you know, a lot of girls that are wanting to be in the space. Um and. And I think it's changing. I think now in New York City, we're, I'm hopeful that we're going to see um, that kind of like balance it out. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm hopeful as well. And, and yeah, and I think that I, I love that you brought up, you know, kind of like the, you know, that that ally limbo. And I also think for anyone that's organizing anything, what's easy or lazy is not acceptable, right? Like just the fact that it's easy to think of five men because there's more men in your feed does not mean that the most valuable for your audience. And like, for me, like that's the part, like I'm, I, I probably, you know, as much time as I spend buying these NFTs every day, doing the daily podcast, my team knows like we get an influx of requests to be guests on the podcast. And for me, I do just as much research as on that guest as I would on buying an NFT because I want to make sure that they're the best for my audience. I want to make sure that they're, you know, we have, you know, different viewpoints that I can bring people in, but also at the same time, like I know that I'm showing up on all these Twitter spaces. I know that I'm showing up and connecting with people that are connecting me with others, right? I, I co-host, you know, Alpha Mondays with uh, Shira and Manushka, and I look at them as two of the most powerful women in this, you know, in this space. And I, I, I laugh with Manushka all the time. I'm like, any alpha groups you want to get me into? And she's like, she's like, oh, you're coming. I was like, hey, your alpha groups are way better than, you know, the ones that I'm, you know, kind of being asked to be a part of. So I love that you brought that up. I'm excited uh, to meet you and hang out there um, in New York City. Um, anything like you love that we kind of missed or you'd love to kind of cover? I love, I'll give you kind of the microphone here at the end, uh, you know, to share anything that we've missed. And we'll include some of, uh, you know, your links and things uh, in the bio, of course. And people will see us uh, hanging out in New York very soon. But uh, I really enjoyed having you on. So the, the microphone is yours. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm really happy that, you know, that I made it to the podcast. I, I want to commend you for sticking, you know, every single day. This is not an easy task. Like it's it's a lot of commitment. You're also depending on a lot of people to to join, to be here committed and and to to share with your audience like the best of the best um, when when you have to do it every single day. Like that that's not an easy task. That's not an easy role to take on. So I, I first want to, you know, commend you for doing that and and for for really, you know, caring about the space and 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 taking the time, like you said, I'm like to to explore what different people are doing, different perspectives. Like to me, that's 
all like so fun. I can't wait to meet you in New York. Um, if I could add anything else for the end of the conversation is to like to always check back like our own biases, right? Like we all have them and for more than than we would love to to live in a world without biases, like the problem is not having them. The problem is not identifying them. And and I think that if you have a platform, you have a responsibility, regardless of how big or little, um, to, to really check back on you and find out like, hey, is it something that I'm biased from, right? Or are they really doing something awful? And if they are, well, fine, like go to the next person. <laughs> but if they're not, then let's let's share that mic and let's share that conversation and the spotlight for, for us to have like more innovation in this space. You know, we don't want to be an echo chamber there is a lot of room for 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 new projects and new solutions that that we need, and that's what the technology is for. I'm, I might not have all the answers, but perhaps the new newcomer that you're giving the opportunity to welcome them into the space might come up with it, right? And yep. and we we're in a very um, wonderful position to be at, and and to I don't know continue to support everyone around you, and and I think that through that then we're all going to be more successful than to just think me 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 so so back to to your saying right yep. it's a we it's a we community and that's how that's how we get there so thank you again thank you again for having me thank and I you I mean, I love that you brought that all full circle, right? We have to acknowledge our biases. And, you know, uh, you know, Laura Rod is the the Miami ape on Twitter, uh, growing that Twitter following now, even though, uh, you know, at first it was like, why, why is this? Yeah, it's, hey, it's, it's coming along great. Uh, and, you know, I will also just say, like, you know, I think there's a there's a beautiful opportunity in this space for us to like learn and listen together. Right. And, and I think creating spaces where you can recognize your biases or, you know, show up and say, Hey, what, what are some of the things that I might be missing? And, and I love that you kind of tap that in. That was a, a beautiful way uh, for us to wrap a bow on uh, this episode. And you know, for everybody tuning in, like, you know, these are, this is a beautiful time. You know, we're, it's, I just like saying that we're all just getting started, right? It's not that we're all early, but we're all just getting started. And if you have an opportunity to go to an event in your local area, I know Austin, Texas has an, uh, you know, an event coming up, uh, uh, early June, NFT NYC. I know uh, there's an event going on in Arizona end of July. I know a couple of events that are happening in August over in the UK. You know, seize these opportunities. Like I, I truly do believe, you know, it's amazing what we're able to do online through Twitter spaces and, and interviews like this, but it's even more powerful, you know, when we can turn them into, you know, handshakes, hugs, and and some selfies. So uh, Laura, thank you so much for, for joining us. And uh, for all our listeners, uh, we will see you tomorrow. Cheers. Cheers, thank you. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research.